0: Welcome to your weekly sermon from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am really glad you decided to join me today. Uh, This is going to be a blessing. It has been for me to prepare this, but I know it's going to be a blessing for you because of what the content is. I started last week into a new series on the Holy Spirit, and I'm calling it Who is the Holy Spirit? And last week was part one, part one, where we kind of took the main context of the sermon was about looking at him, who he who he is, because we need to learn about who he is first. And we talked about him in the Old Testament. We'll cover that a little bit today in this. This is going to be Who is the Holy Spirit? Part two. But we're going to call this the coming power source. So now we're going to begin to see the Holy Spirit coming into the New Testament. And Remember, we learned last week that he was at creation. So he's been He's in the Bible from the very beginning to the very end, but now we're going to see him coming into the New Testament, into the book of Acts, and he's entering in in a new, special, amazing way that is going to be a great benefit to all those who know Christ. And I want to do something that I didn't do last week, but I want to do it today. So I want you to pray with me right now. Father, we're going into your Holy Word, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower me and anoint me to bring forth this topic about yourself in, in, in best in the best way that I can as a human being. I, I pray that you would empower me, uh, that you would anoint me to do this right now, and that it would be made clear, and that those who are part of this, who are listening, that their lives would be truly impacted. Their eyes would be open to the truth. I pray everybody out there would take down and remove any bias they have about this topic and let let themselves learn from what they're hearing. And I pray again, it would be clear and I pray it would be the truth. And I pray that truth would break through any barriers in their lives that are keeping them from seeing the Holy Spirit for who he truly is and what he came to do and what he does through us. So we thank you for this right now. We thank you for it. Glorify you in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen and amen. So who is the Holy Spirit part two? The coming power source. So let me first of all start by saying that the Holy Spirit is underappreciated and underpreached in the 21st century. Um, People, as as I said before, they, they shy away from this topic for some reason. I think it's because of certain aspects of it. They don't know how to teach it. They don't know what they really believe about it. And that's one of the things that this is exciting for me because I'm getting I'm getting my understanding of how I know all this is in me. And I I need this in, in order for me to bring it to you, I need to have it concrete down inside of me. And that's what's that's what's happening to me. So I'm getting my yeah, I've been in ministry for a long time. I've been saved for a long time, and but I've always kind of struggle with these issues sometimes and uh, I think I'm I'm excited that I've you know at that place where I believe I know what I'm gonna bring to you is is what I hold to in Jesus name Um, there's kind of a prejudice of sorts against the Holy Spirit which impedes many people from learning about him and if you go to a church where the pastor is afraid of this topic you really need to ponder why would he be afraid of the third member of the Godhead um, the Holy Spirit is the one that was at creation. The Holy Spirit is the power source that we have. Why, why would we shy away from discussing him and everything that he does? Um, the body of Christ is often divided into two sides. One side stresses the word of God, which is important. Um, separating itself from what it views as emotional fanaticism, often linked to those who emphasize the work of the Holy Spirit. So you got that side. The other side is sometimes known for drifting into unbiblical manifestations and unorthodox teaching while attributing it all to the Spirit of God. If If you've been around this enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So seeing the abuse and the bad teaching, many on the first side will say, I'm not interested in experiencing the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I just want to study the Word. But It was the Holy Spirit who inspired the word. And there's a lot of promises concerning his person and his work. And you ask the question, then, how can anyone treasure God's word without giving the Holy Spirit his rightful place when he's the one that inspired the man who wrote it? It, They wrote it under his inspiration Uh, to those who move in circles that strongly emphasize the Holy Spirit, they need to be reminded to that everything must be tested by Scripture. You can't just go off and say everything, well, that's of the Holy Spirit. And I've seen some really weird things, some bizarre things that people do and actions and emotions that they get into that they say is the Spirit. And I don't see how any of that could be of it. So there's this uh, weird aspect of it. Um, And and also the Holy Spirit never puts focus on the preacher because the Holy Spirit was sent to 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 glorify Christ alone, not the man or the man of God or the woman of God. And so somewhere in the middle uh, is the kind of Christianity that we see in scripture where the word of God is honored, gotta honor the word of God, it's God's word, along with though a dependence and an openness to the Holy Spirit, his baptism, his gifts, his works and his power. So there's a place where we need to be, where we honor the word of God. It is God's word, but we are open and dependent. Um, We have a dependent openness to the Holy Spirit, his baptism that we've heard about, his gifts, his works and his power. So last week we asked the question, is it important to spend several lessons dealing with this topic of the Holy Spirit? To which we answer, yes, it is vital. Last week we talked about who he is because before we can correctly talk about the work, the gifts and the ministry, we need to first know who he is. We realized and learned that he's not an it, that he's a person. He is a third member of the Godhead, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Again, sometimes the forgotten member, but without him, (laughs) nothing would have taken place. Uh, what does the Bible say is about his identity? The Bible declares him simply as God. He's a divine person. He has a mind, emotions, and a will. Uh, the Holy Spirit thinks and knows. He can be grieved. He intercedes for us. He makes decisions according to his will. And as God, he can truly function as God. He can truly function as comforter and counselor that Jesus promised he would be in John 14, 16 through 17. We have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit just like we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and with God the Father. Um, by His power in creation, the Holy Spirit brought forth light out of darkness and order out of disorder. So one of the key works of the Spirit is to bring life, which is regeneration and to set things in order. The New Testament teaches, which we're going to learn today, teaches the permanent indwelling, of the Holy Spirit in believers, we see it all through First Corinthians chapter three and six. But in contrast to that, as we talked about last week, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was selective and temporary. He came upon people like Joshua, David, Gideon, Saul, Samson for a temporary, specific task, and then that task was over. For us, we're going to learn right now, we're going to step into, we're going to see him coming in a New Testament in the book of Acts. It's different now. He's coming to not just come upon us for a momentary task. He's coming to dwell inside of us. Our main text today is going to be Acts chapter 2. And we're going to be reading 1 through around 21 here in a little bit. I'm not going to read those yet. We're going to get to that. So turn to Acts chapter two. Uh, We're going to be um, verses one through 21 through there somewhere. Um, But I I first want to look at the promise uh, of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go back to the Old Testament for that. And you can write down chapter verse. I'll just read this to you. Uh, There's an Old Testament prophecy about his coming and it's found in the book of Joel, chapter two, verses 28 through 32. This is powerful. This is prophesied that this was coming. Him coming this way in, in, in the book of Acts, in the way he came was prophesied in the old Testament hundreds of years earlier. And we see it in the book of Joel chapter two, verses 28 through 32. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That's the Holy spirit, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We are in the book of Acts is those days and continuing on to today. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But we focus on, I will pour out my spirit on all people even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my spirit out on them in those days. So we have Jesus then coming in the New Testament and telling the disciples many places in the Gospels that he was going to send the Holy Spirit when he, Jesus, ascended to heaven. Let me read you a couple of those. John chapter 16, verse 7. Just write down chapter verse if you'd like to. John 16, 7, Jesus talking about this. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Bam. John 14, 16 through 17, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John 15, verse 26. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Then we see in Matthew three eleven, John the Baptist making reference. John the Baptist says, "As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire." So then, let me interject this: Jesus knew, Jesus knew, that it was vital for the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come because he knew they needed the power of the Holy Spirit to enable them to do the works of God. So he's told them several times, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. When I ascend, I'm sending him back down to you. And he's basically telling them he's going to live in you forever. He knew they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. He was telling them, get this, he was telling them to wait in Jerusalem. They didn't know how long they were supposed to wait. They were just supposed to wait. And he was telling them to wait because he knew they needed the power that the Holy Spirit brings to do what they needed to do as God has called them to do it. And so do we. I really believe that you can just get saved, and yes, we're going to talk about this in a more uh, specific way. Uh, I think maybe next week, but you get saved, you receive the Spirit at the moment of your conversion. I believe you can go out and you can do things for the kingdom. But I really believe, as we see in the book of Acts, there there comes a time of this. I guess we'll call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where they are fully. They're just. They're just immersed with this power to go and do. And again, we're gonna get into specifics of it. Were, had they already received Christ and then this was something that came later? Or is it kind of around and happening at the same time? We're not gonna get into that now. But all I know is they walked with Jesus. There's a section of verses we'll learn about next week where he says he breathed on them. That's that breath of life. It talks about uh, you've been cleansed through the word in another place. So we know that they were living as regenerated men who had received the Spirit, otherwise they wouldn't be regenerated, but they needed this Pentecost uh, moment, this this power source that when the Holy Spirit came to enable them to do and to accomplish these great things God has called them to accomplish. It's like their power source and their abilities were compounded. Right at this time when the Spirit came, to baptize them, to immerse them in his power, there was a compounding of their ability. That's the best way I can say it. There was a compounding of their ability. And and I'll say to you, and I'll say this to me, and this is what I'm really seeing here. If, If you need the power of God in your life, Jesus has a special word for us, for you, for me. Again, Christ knew his disciples needed power to do his works, kingdom works on earth. So he instructs them in Luke chapter 24, 49 and 50. Like I said a little moment ago, he said, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay, wait in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So he told them what to do, wait. He told them where to do it, Jerusalem. Told them what to wait for, the promise of the Father or the coming of the Holy Spirit. He didn't tell them how long to wait. They didn't know if they were going to wait a week, a month, a year, 10 years, or 40 years. The simple instruction to them was stay, Wait, don't, don't go do anything else until. And that's the that's the qualifier is that word until. Don't go anywhere or do anything. Don't do any ministry or don't even go out and witness until. Because he's saying your lives will remain the same until the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power. And this is true for a lot of Christians that I know. They sense their life isn't going Uh, Quite according to God's design. Ever felt that way? They're dissatisfied. They want more in their marriage, their work, their walk in Christ, their witness for Christ. And God's saying, God desires these changes for us, but some things only gonna are gonna happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. And until He comes, things will remain the same. So wait in faith, and you'll be endued with power from on high. That's what he was telling his disciples. And indeed, it happened just like he promised. Uh, On the day of Pentecost, they were celebrating Pentecost. On that day, the disciples were filled. I said they were filled full with a powerful anointing from God, such as the world has never seen. And 2,000 years later, the world has never been the same. This was a pivotable pivotal moment in the birthing of the church and the establishment of the church and the church going forth into the harvest field and seeing multitudes of souls come to faith in Christ. So this is where it all started. Acts 2 chapter 1 or verse 1 through 21. Let me read you uh, through that through my Bible and you can join with me. So here we go. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost, I love this chapter because it. if you really look at it, when you read it, it's like filled with so much excitement. Because when we break this down and you look at what really happened here, this is like exciting, man. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So they're all in unity. They're all doing what Jesus called them to do in one place in the upper room, waiting For the promise of the father which was the holy spirit it says and suddenly in verse 2 there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, as the Spirit, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. It doesn't mean that those were the only languages spoken there, but those that were in attendance heard their languages being spoke these guys did not even know what they were doing this is the power of the spirit coming upon them there's this manifest manifestation of them speaking with other tongues verse 7 then they were all these people were all amazed and marvelled so they're saying to one another look are not these all who speak galileans and how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born Parthenians and Mese, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues. Here's what they were speaking, the wonderful works of God. Amen. And I'll go on in verse 12. So they were all amazed and they were perplexed seeing all this happening, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others, of course, there's always going to be people mocking a true manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Cause there's always mockers, others mocking saying they are full of new wine. In other words, they think they're drunk. And I think the reason that they thought that, I think these people, when they got hit with the Holy Spirit, they were so filled with joy. Uh, I think these guys thought they were intoxicated because of not, they weren't doing anything weird. That God is not going to, the Holy Spirit's not gonna come and make people do weird stuff. So they're not doing anything weird. I would imagine they saw them in a state of just, because I I know what that's like, uh, filled with complete overwhelming joy and then manifesting this incredible work of the Spirit but Peter quickly deals with that in verse 14. He says, but Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice. Remember, this is cowardly Peter, who's now been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He goes from being a coward to someone of great uh, tenacity. He says, but Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel Which we read earlier And it shall come to pass on the last day Says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy Your young men shall see visions Your old men shall dream dreams And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days And they shall prophesy I will show them wonders in heaven above And signs in the earth Beneath. Whew. Man, that's that is a scene of some incredible power. And if you don't get that yet, you gotta get it. They were completely changed in Jesus' name. The miracle of Pentecost was Holy Spirit fullness. And again, we're gonna talk about how can I how can I get the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, one of the ways, I believe, of seven ways, one of those ways is. Make sure your life is purified. you got to be living a clean, purified life so the Holy Spirit can come in and dwell every part of you. I believe they've been with Jesus. They're clean. They're living a life. They're ready. They're, they're, their hearts are right. And bing, bang, bong, boom, there came the power of the Holy Spirit. And the miracle of Pentecost happened to every one of them in the upper room. It says in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other. Tongues, the 120 gathered in the upper room without an expectation of what would happen, only that they should stay stay there until it did. Is this exciting, anybody? It should be. All 120 who obeyed and waited for the promise were baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking miraculously with other tongues understood by many amazed people in the crowd. And in this gift of the Holy Spirit, this speaking with other tongues, to be again explained later in another sermon, that, that manifestation of speaking with tongues, they were heard to be worshiping God and His wonderful work. So the result of this is the church was birthed in worshiping, ministering power of the Holy Spirit, and shortly after that, 3,000 people received Christ. This was the birth of the church. This was the birth of the church. This enablement by the Spirit initiated, hear this, the spread of the gospel in this hostile environment of persecution, idolatry, and political oppression. And it is still the answer for the spread of the gospel today. The enablement and the power of the Holy Spirit is the answer for the spread of the gospel today. Today. and that's why if people when they get to a point where they're afraid of the spirit of God they're afraid of all the of a of a truthful manifestation they're afraid of the baptism the power of God that's what's going that is what is still the answer for the spreading of the gospel throughout the world today again in verse 11 it says we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works or the mighty deeds of God Wonderful works in the Greek is, Megalias, it means magnificent, splendid, majestic, sublime, grand, beautiful, excellent, favorable. That's what they were speaking in these other languages, these other tongues, that they didn't even know what they were saying. But these words were coming out and it was all about glorifying God, these magnificent, splendid, sublime, and grand words about the wonderful deeds of God. Again, so it was on this day, that moment that the source of power to fill believers came. That moment, that Pentecost moment was that source of power to fill believers. That's when it came. I ask you, have you had a Pentecost experience? If you haven't, you are truly missing something. I think sometimes people get talked out of it. They go to churches where the pastors don't preach on receiving the power of the Holy They talk about it, but they don't allow it to be manifested because they've seen all the weird stuff. People run from it because they've seen people do weird stuff. Listen, when the Holy Spirit works, it is perfect. It's perfection. When he does what he does, when he does it, and it's what he's doing, and not some guy or woman acting crazy and, uh, and, and attributing it to the Holy Spirit, but when it's the Holy Spirit, it's absolute perfection. And I don't want to run from that. I want everything that he has for me. Listen, I will say real quick, and I'll explain this in further another sermon. These 120 people were experiencing what is called, and i said this several times already, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The baptism with the holy spirit and man this was just the beginning this was just the beginning there's so many unique things uh, that happened he baptizes people with the holy spirit and with power so let me explain a couple more words that happened it says as of a mighty rushing wind it wasn't a wind but it was like the sound of a wind suggesting the mighty but unseen power of the spirit whenever i hear that as of a mighty rushing wind i think about being in you know areas where there's storms and you I've been around hurricanes before I've been around tornadoes before and a mighty rushing wind makes a definitive sound I can just imagine this was whatever it is I can't do it myself Uh, just coming in this imagine you know they say a a tornado coming the the wind sounds like a locomotive train Um, wow and i've been in those situations before it's it's powerful um it says talks about divided tongues of fire not fire actually but like fire Uh, john the baptist foretold in matthew chapter 3 how spirit baptism would be accompanied by wind and fire and this is a kind of a if you think back it's kind of a burning bush moment and it signifies the fire of purification So each one of them had these tongues of fire sitting on them that this outward manifestation of the Spirit's coming was just another sign of His power. Man, thank God for the Holy Spirit. But what was it that made the difference? What was it that made the difference? Here's the thing. Immediately before Jesus ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, He told them this. Remember, Jesus resurrected, spent some time with them, and then he went, he ascended, they saw him go to sit at the right hand of the Father. But before he did, he told them this in Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will, and again, he's talking to the disciples, but this is for us today, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and as far as the remotest part there, there's right there, we're talking about the power, that power of the spirit is what is going to take the gospel effectively around the world then and today. Um, because the first thing he says is that you will receive power and you shall be my witnesses. Whew, man, I have felt the power of the Holy Spirit helping me to witness in places all over the world. It was in the power, listen, it was the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that made the difference. Again, note a few things. Tongues of fire came and rested on each person. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all changed, changed, man. These guys were changed. They went from being fearful to becoming bold, i.e. Peter. They went from being anxious to being courageous. They went from being intimidated to become intimidating. And the church as we know it today was born and literally if you look at their lives it literally appears is that they actually underwent a personality change and i will say this i know i did the moment of my conversion and we're and we're not talking about we're not going to get into right now when this happens does it happen just when we're saved or is there something that's subsequent to our salvation that can come into our lives this compounding of the power of the spirit all I know is if I could say anything, it all happened to me at the same time. Because my salvation experience was not a... Um, it was not an unnoticed thing by me. It wasn't something, oh yeah, I prayed and I got saved and it was ho-hum, I'm saved now. No, mine was an explosion. There was a, uh, there was a personality change. There was a... Man, I was like... I was boom I mean I wept I you know man the power of the Holy Spirit came over me and I know he immediately prepared me to go out and be a witness it wasn't something that had to happen to me later I got it right then I got that powerful baptism of the Spirit at the moment that I got converted I received him because of what he does through regeneration the receiving of the Spirit then confirms my true salvation. But I believe at that moment that baptism happened to me as well. That immersion uh, of the spirit came upon my life and I became a witnessing machine. I got, I was on fire for God. I had a true life transformation. Um, But what made this possible? And when you talk about the disciples, listen, they had spent years in direct contact with Jesus. They followed him firsthand over a long period of time. right, why change now? Because this was the moment that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit came upon their lives and it was made possible because Jesus sent him back to do that very thing in their lives. His power can change us. His presence can change us. Being baptized with the Holy Spirit will change you. It will change you. It changed me. It will change you. My question is, has your life been touched and changed by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? If it hasn't, you're missing so, so much in this walk with Christ on this earth. I know my life has been touched, changed by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, so dramatically. Listen, through the power of Of the Holy Spirit that came upon them that can come upon you ordinary people are enabled to to accomplish extraordinary deeds because of that power of the Spirit coming on people coming truly being baptized with that power that compounding of the power of the Holy Spirit ordinary people are enabled to accomplish extraordinary deeds there was a reason why Jesus placed such a great emphasis on the importance of the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, he knew his disciples were completely inadequate for their mission that he had called them to. And only through the enablement of the Holy Spirit could they successfully fulfill their assignment. And the mission of the church is as equally great today. We need to be immersed in the power of the Spirit, to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. And again, we're going to talk about in, in a upcoming sermon about that. How can I receive? You say, I don't think I've ever had this true baptism of the Spirit. How can I receive that? We're going to talk about that, and we're not going to get into that day. We're going to come. We're going to talk about in a in a couple, in the next couple of sermons. So supernatural power is required to really fulfill everything that God has called us to do on this earth. For this reason, believers need to consider again the implications of the spirits coming on the day of Pentecost. Man, power came. Again, Acts 1.8, Jesus told the disciples, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word, when Alfred Nobel... Was looking, he discovered an explosive element that was stronger. The guy that did the Nobel Peace Prize, Alfred Nobel, he discovered an explosive element that was stronger than anything the world had known at the time. He asked a friend and a Greek scholar for a word that conveyed the meaning of explosive power. The Greek word was dunamis, and Nobel named his invention dynamite. We get the word dynamite from the Greek word dunamis and dunamis is the same word that Jesus used when he told his disciples, but you shall receive power or dunamis when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Come on, somebody get excited about this. In other words, you shall receive explosive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Your walk with God, your walk with Christ, your life on this earth as a man or woman of God should be accompanied by explosive dynamite power. I'm not talking about weird stuff. I'm talking about living your life as a man or woman of God in explosive dynamite power. It will shake your life. It'll shake lives of people that you come in contact with. Wow, explosive. Are you living Have you experienced that moment and that continued, then those continued moments of that explosive, dynamite, power filled life in Christ? So prior to Pentecost, let's look at some examples. Simon Peter couldn't stand up for his faith when strangers asked him if he was a follower of Jesus. After the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, Peter stood up and boldly preached the gospel, resulting in 3,000 people. Being saved right then and right there. After Saul of Tarsus became a believer on the Damascus Road, God led Ananias to go and pray for him. He was then filled with the Holy Spirit, and from that moment on, he went out and proclaimed Christ in the synagogues. In other words, the power is given for a purpose. Holy Spirit power is not for us to have as some novelty thing and do weird stuff. The Holy Spirit has given us and and, and baptized us with his power for a purpose of service, to use it to fulfill the works of the kingdom on earth. It's not power to be crazy. It's not power to do weird things. It's power to be a witness, power to have the courage to tell someone about Jesus Christ, power to tell people what Jesus has done for you. I have been in front and standing in situations before where, in my flesh, in, in in places that I that people would not normally have received someone preaching the gospel. Had I tried to do that in my own flesh, it would have been terrible. It would not have been successful. But in the power of the Holy Spirit that I carried in my life, that power equipped me and enabled me to preach the gospel where people thousands of people would come and receive christ as their savior had nothing to do with me i was just operating in the power that jesus made possible to me by sending the holy spirit i had my pentecost experience and then i've made sure i live my life being continually filled and filled and filled and i'm ready when i'm called to do something The gifts come, and they operate through my life, and I want that to happen in an even greater way in these years that I'm in in my life now. The power to do the mighty works of the kingdom. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, And he, Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The one who has believed and has been baptized will be saved, but the one who has not believed will be condemned. Verse 17, these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. There's that again. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. That has to do you can almost see this in a in a in a a missionary type situation where you may have to eat something or you may be in the jungles and something would bite you, uh, whatever. And he's saying that uh, they can. this will happen to them. They will drink any deadly poison. It will not harm them. It says they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I don't believe in particular faith healers, but I do believe that God can operate us through the power of the Holy Spirit as we lay hands on the sick. They can re, and they will recover, it says. They will recover, not they can recover, boom. Listen, these are the works of the kingdom that the Holy Spirit wants to do through you and through me. You have got to have an openness to the power of the spirit entering into your life. We're going to get you to a place where you're, you, you understand it. And once you understand it, we're showing it to you in the word of God. Your faith is going to then be built. You're then going to ask for it. You're going to find out what you got to do to make sure you're ready for it. And then you're going to receive it. And your life is never going to be the same again. Because God wants to use you for much more than you're doing right now. God wants to use you for much more than you're doing right now. That's why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need the full immersion of the Spirit in our lives. Man, and I'll be focusing a whole sermon in regards to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that may may be next week. But let me say now that this baptism with the Holy Spirit, like here in Pentecost, it is a and I'm going to say this right out. It is a definite experience, which you will know, should know, whether you have received it or not. And until we, until we have, I believe, that uh, definitive experience in our lives, I don't believe we're really truly fully prepared to go and do uh, the fullness of all we've been called to do in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to get this. This needs to happen in your life. This needs to take place in your life. I'm praying that you let all the walls come down. The baptism with the Holy Spirit compounds compounds your effectiveness. I'm praying you let the walls come down. Let these sermons speak to you. Let the Word of God speak to you. Um, Listen, the world, the lost, the unsaved need to see and experience supernatural power. They need to see the presence and the workings of the Holy Spirit through you and me. They need to see that. Why would we be afraid of going and ministering, sharing the gospel, but yet being afraid then of laying hands on the sick or operating in the gifts of the Spirit that are are of perfection because they're truly coming from the Spirit? Why would we be afraid of that? If that's part of what the holy spirit has made available to us why would we want to shy away from that because we've seen somebody weird in the past do something in the name of the spirit and now we shut everything off and now we're not going to we're not going to allow ourselves to live in and function in the full power of the spirit not me man i'm going to be and i'm going to do what the holy spirit's called me to do and i'm going to do it in the fullness of everything he has for me to do it in in Jesus name the Holy Spirit makes all the difference we are destined we are destined as sons and daughters of God to know the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives he makes all he makes literally he makes all the difference again with the Holy Spirit ordinary people are enabled to accomplish extraordinary deeds and as I move to a close For each one of us as believers, it means a glorious new life in the spirit is an ongoing possibility for each one of us. And that's why I want, that's what I, that's why I'm doing this. The Lord wants me to, the Holy Spirit wants me to do this because he wants you to learn about himself so that you will have this glorious new life in him with all the potential of accomplishing everything that God has called you to, to accomplish. Listen, I believe that for each one of us there ne- needs to come a time of stepping forward into more of what God intends for us. Somebody say amen to that. Goodness gracious. Do you want to just continue in the way you're doing it now? Why not? Why not receive everything that God has for you? Why not receive the signs that will follow those who believe? Why shy away from that? If that's, what's, if that's what's been made available for us, that's not. it didn't die in the Old Testament or the New Testament. This wasn't just for the church in Acts. This is for us today. This is still continuing today. Don't let anybody teach you that all that stuff stopped back then. Why would it stop? The power of the Holy Spirit is needed today as much as it was then. They needed it. He knew it. Told them to wait. They got it. Their life was changed. The world was changed because the power of the Holy Spirit came to, in, to live inside of them and immerse them in this great presence and work of the Spirit. And I believe that God desires that we would live guided, inspired, and fully immersed and powered by His Spirit. That we would live a way, in a way that we are guided by the Spirit, inspired by the Spirit, and fully immersed and empowered by the Spirit. That's the life we're called to live. And today is the perfect opportunity to ask God um, the Holy Spirit, to fill you with his power. We don't have to wait till the next sermon. You need to ask him right now, if you would, to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I will say this, you need to. I I believe part of, I I believe one of the things that makes this possible is that you believe it. For number one, you're saved. Number two, you've been water baptized. He talks about that. John says, repent, be baptized. I do believe that a huge part of this to be completely immersed and filled is you got to have a life that's clean. You can't be dabbling in sin, playing with sin, and expect for the Holy Spirit to just empower you and just fill you like you need to. You need to live a life that's consecrated to Him, to the Lord, that's that's yielded to the Lord, submitted to God, and then ask Him, Holy Spirit, baptize me. I need, I want that power source. I want that Pentecost experience to take place in my life. And let it happen to you, and let what He wants to do through you take place because you may see a manifestation of the Holy Spirit even at that moment. So ask him to empower you all over again if you need to with the empowerment that comes from him. We'll talk about continual fillings in an upcoming sermon, but man, you need this dose, mega dose of the Holy Ghost in your life today in Jesus name, seek it, desire it, Go after it in Jesus' name. And I believe it's a call to a deeper intimacy with God. Um, we, le- we, need to let the ha- we need to let this Pentecost uh, faith and hope rise in our hearts fresh and new. Uh, we need to be stirred with the knowledge and an awareness uh, of a purpose uh, much greater than ourselves. I want that for me. I want that for you. You need to ask him to do what he did for those at Pentecost. They were all filled with the Spirit, began to speak with different tongues, as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. And there's other gifts of the Spirit that God can operate through your life in, and we'll talk about those in an upcoming sermon. But man, it's so exciting. It's so powerful. Power, power, power. He brings power. He came to fill us with power to do the works of God. Amen. That's what we need to accomplish with our lives. Lives for a true believer should not be boring. It should not be mundane. It should be filled with explosive dynamite power doing the works of the kingdom through our lives that's what life should be the great prayer uh theologian Ian e. bounds wrote this what the church needs today is not more machinery or better not new organizations or more and novel methods but men whom the holy ghost can use men of prayer men mighty in prayer the holy spirit does not flow through methods but through Men, The power of the Holy Spirit is still at work today. Don't limit him in your life by a lack of faith and belief in his miraculous working power. Ask for it. Seek for it. Live the baptism of the Spirit. Pentecost experience on your life today in Jesus name. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you for this opportunity. Oh, I thank you. It's so exciting to be able to preach about you, Holy Spirit. It's so exciting to be able to teach about you, Holy Spirit. I pray all those people that are listening right now would sense the power and the presence of God in their lives. They would sense the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in their car if they're in the car, in their room if they're in their room, at work, if they're at work, wherever they're listening to this, they would, they would sense the power, and the presence of the Spirit in their lives right now and around their lives, enveloping them. They would sense the presence and the power of the Spirit. I pray, God, at that moment, they will, they will, they will open their hearts to you. They will confess their sins and get their lives right. And they will openly say to you, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Baptize me. I need that Pentecost experience in my life. I thank you for that today. That many will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Even as I'm talking. Even as I'm praying. In the days and the weeks following after this. They will. Because their faith is built. Their understanding is there. And their desire is there. To live a life of the miraculous. To live a life that's much more than what they're living now. And I thank you you for this today. And I thank you for these things today, Holy Spirit. And I pray these things to come to pass upon their life. Thank you for everyone that's been able to watch. And I pray these things over them. And agree together in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Man, open your heart to the Spirit. Let Him do a work in you. May you have that Pentecost experience in your life today. Amen. God bless you. Until next time.